rips one into the night, deep into right, way out of Moves to the right, it goes directly to Clement. Clement reverses it, and the pass goes into the end zone. To Nick Foles. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to Talking 215. Join with me, as always, Shawnee Z. Sean! What is happening, everybody? Greetings and welcome, listeners. We got a big uh, showdown coming in this Monday night. We're going to get into depth a bit more. Of course. And also, we got the coach, Coach Joey. How we doing, Coach? Doing good. My friends call me 1-0, Coach Joey, by the way. So oh, just give you a heads up on that. One and O, Coach Joey. Nice, nice. One and O, Coach. Much like the Eagles. One and O. Could it possibly be two and O Monday night against the Vikings? Also, was I the only one that learned today that there are two Monday night games? There are two Monday night games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seven fifteen and an eight thirty. Wow. Yeah, Bills Bills are also playing Monday night. I know. I That's a my lot fantasy of lineup and I was just like, whoa, yeah. Yeah, it's like a whole half. Yeah. Yeah. I don't love it. No. I already not not a huge fan of the Monday night game. I understand it's necessary, but man, that is just it's too long to wait, especially when it's my team. No, exactly. Exactly. It's like you there's get the Thursday game. Nice. There's a little something nice about a Sunday where your team's not playing and you could just red zone it all day and just kind of, you know. I'm yeah, a little must, bit stress-free. I'm I'm totally on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm actually a huge fan of the London start times. Oh yeah. I love just breakfast and games. Yes. Love it. I get to actually spend the rest of my day not worrying about football anymore. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> at least I still watch the games, but I don't have to worry while watching that. I'm straight. I get my stress out of the way early. I can eat lunch and go for a run or something like that. And I'm just okay to chill the rest of the day. As long as it's not one of their home games. Don't take away a link crowd from me. Of course I mean? not. Of course yeah. not. You give it the Jaguars for their 18th straight game. But if I, I tell you what, though. If I could get a game at the link, 9.30 start time. Oh, my god! Just start pre-gaming at like 6 in the morning, playing cornhole. Ripping You're way gears. late, man. You kidding me? They'd be in there 4 a.m. Oh, I, I, They'd be in there like wing bowl time. No, they can be on time. I'll be late to that. But I... <laughs> <laughs> No, no kidding. But Monday night, 8.30 at the link. Have they announced what the jerseys are going to be yet? Because, you know, prime time, home opener. You, you have to imagine with the first game, it's just going to be the classic yeah. midnight green and white pants. It's early in the season. I'd imagine it's some version of that. Yeah. But, I mean, we, there is. did they say when the black helmets were going to be worn? Um, I think they posted the games. I know a I number of teams. I think maybe. I think there was. A I know Texas a number team. of the teams they've posted. Like I know the Bengals already have their whole uniform schedule out, saying yeah. what games are what and all, and that's cool and all. But it's always kind of fun when the social media team puts out like that Tuesday, like all right, blackout game. Yeah, I'm surprised we haven't seen that already. I mean, maybe we just missed it. Yeah. You know, we're we're a little focused on the content, man. I don't uniforms. That's fun, but we got the meat and potatoes of this whole conversation that's a, here. That's big, though. That's big. Yeah. Anyways, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, no, pretty big game coming up on Monday. Uh, Eagles Vikings. Jalen Rager tweeting out that there's a little bit of a re- revenge factor in there. Uh, listen to a number of Vikings reporters saying that he is pretty much exclusively going to be a punt returner. So, however much revenge you can get in that situation, I mean, give us a revenge muff. You know, that'd be great. Right. That would show us. I- Okay. Uh, I mean, why is this a revenge game? All you had to do was was play uh, to you know to halfway to your pedigree to just stay on the team. Um, what what exactly are you feeling vengeful for? No, exactly. They they seem to give him every opportunity. Yeah. I mean, Joe, I don't... over under one catch for Rager this week. Under. I under. think if they do utilize him on offense, it'll be something like a reverse or something like that. Yeah. Just barely, but when you have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook, like 
I wouldn't waste a snap on really many other people, <laughs> like especially Jalen Rager, who probably isn't that familiar with the offense, who is going to be super amped up. We know how he does with emotional stuff. You know, he doesn't really handle it well going back in the link. Sometimes you could be a little bit too jazzed up and that could be a detriment. So yeah. if the Vikings are smart, like I think they are, it may be a reverse or something like that. But yeah, I'm not taking a chance to not give it to one of the three guys I mentioned. Only reason why I think there's a chance he's going to be showcased, not showcased, but showcase more than one touch on offense is because I just feel the Vikings are the kind of franchise that are going to be like, oh, you know what? Yeah, let it. Let's us. Let's show Philadelphia. Let's let's have the new guy we we just acquired put up some yards on him. That'll show him. They're just that. They just kind of give me that vibe that they're just going to be like, yeah, you know what, Rager? We're going to give you plenty of opportunity. If if this was the same coaching regime from a couple years ago, I would probably co-sign that. I mean, they got a first-year head coach. They got a a, a brand new, you know, oh geez, a t- outlook on the team. I I just don't see him being good enough to get in the game very often. No, I mean they got Thielen, they got Justin Jefferson, who we're going to talk about plenty this episode. Uh, you know, I, I don't know some of their later end on the depth chart wide receivers. I mean, they, but- they like them enough to trade for him. Yeah, that's really the only reason I gave up more than the Browns gave up to get uh, Amari Cooper. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) On a much cheaper contract and one that will not be renewed for very much money. Mind you. No, no. But uh, that kind of just brings us right into matchups. We're talking about Jalen Rager versus the Eagles revenge game. Just matchups overall in this game. Let's start with just matchups that scare you. Sean. I mean, it's it's really it's going to be this Vikings offense up against the the Gannon led defensive front for this, not just the front, the front, the entire defense as a whole. Yeah, there's I, no other answer. You really. know, I mean, it, it's going to be you know the the offense that Kevin O'Connell decides to to run out onto the field and and ha- this this chess match that's going to happen between him and and uh, and defensive coordinator Gannon. Um, it's from just from top to bottom, I'm worried. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of echo that, too. I, Kevin O'Connell is very smart. He comes from that Sean McVay uh, coaching tree. Um, and one of the things they utilized in with the Rams is isolating Cooper Cup on favorable matchups, whether it be a linebacker, putting him in motion, um, getting him on a safety, you know, getting him on your third best corner, you know, putting him in the slot, wherever, put him in trips formation so that you can't play man-to-man. He's so smart with getting matchups, and you saw that, what he did with Justin Jefferson. Um, So, yeah, I think that battle, it just looks really, really bad to me. Um, Gannon versus O'Connell and their offensive play calling staff is just something that is a large mismatch. You're going to have to hope that your guys in the trenches, something we didn't do last week, kind of make up for the play callers on both ends. We need to bully them up front so that they can't get in rhythm. They can't get in their sets. They don't have time to do what they want to do on offense. Because if you could do that, it makes it much easier to call stuff on the back end. No, we tallied six blitzes last week. And sure, one of them was at least a six-man blitz. And that's cute. And we saw it in the first half. And then like we talked about last week or earlier this week, we never really saw that again in the second half. That's going to need to change. You're going to need to dial up the pressure to get to, to Kirk Cousins and you're going to need to have a somewhat close coverage so that when we do send it up, they don't have all that separation where he can just wing it out there and catch a guy, not maybe not even in stride, but for a, a decent gain. If you're playing soft zone, you're going to need you can't play such soft zone and blitz with a quarterback. Look, I, I think Kirk Cousins is a little bit underrated in a lot of people's eyes and pro circles people speak very highly of him for a reason he's a very accurate quarterback he has a a very long pretty successful regular season career i think he's a a top 15 quarterback in the nfl not maybe not top 10 but probably closer to that 11 12 range than 14 15 he's a very accurate very good quarterback and when you give him weapons like they have he shows what he can do with them i mean Stinking Justin Jefferson, 180 yards, two touchdowns last week, and they couldn't do a damn thing to stop it. And Jonathan Gannon has not shown me anything in his one year and one game that gives me confidence that he can do anything to stop it. I mean, we touched on Monday, Amon Ross St. Brown, good wide receiver, young, could turn into a very good wide receiver. But right now he's just a good wide receiver on a a very bad team, which always makes a, a player look better. 
but he was getting yards, especially in the second half, in chunks because we were playing five yards off of him. And it wasn't even Avante Maddox's fault necessarily, who we still widely believe is a, a top three slot corner in the NFL. But you're you're having him stay way back from this guy. You can't do that with Justin Jefferson. He's going to feast you all game. He is a better wide receiver in every aspect of the game than Amon Ross A. Brown. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Joey, you, you you said it great. I mean, you know, Kevin O'Connell does a really good job of just getting ma- mismatches every single play for his star wideouts. I mean, last week, you know, sixty uh, percent of Justin Jefferson's targets were him lined up against either a linebacker or a safety. So it's do we have the faith in Jonathan Gannon to devise a smart enough plan to where this guy just isn't feasting on our safeties and linebackers and i don't know that he's smart enough to figure out what to do in order to combat that look i'm not a, i'm not a defensive coordinator i've never coached in the nfl college or at really a high level at all i'm just a football nerd who studies the game who used to play a little bit you know and i mean if i'm so worried about justin jefferson which honestly any defensive coordinator in the nfl absolutely should be he's that good my whole mindset is why wouldn't you do something like take Chauncey Gardner Johnson, have him follow Justin Jefferson wherever he goes. That does not mean you have to have him man to man on him everywhere. That just means have Chauncey follow him in the slot, out wide, wherever, and he jams him every single time. Yeah. No matter what, every single time. He's feisty, he's annoying, he's good, he's twitchy. It, you may not get the best jam on him. You don't have to follow him in man. You could jam him and then drop back in your zone. You could jam him and then release him to Slay, who's playing a man. But either way, throwing off that timing, getting someone that can get in his head, doing something to disrupt the timing of a guy like Kirk Cousins, who lives off timing, rhythm, in rhythm throws, play action, boot, one Mississippi, two, backside draw, play action, backside boot, coming back on the drag. I know I'm hitting the bang eight on my third step. He's such a rhythm quarterback that's such a rhythm offense creating mismatches. Why not disrupt something like that creatively? Take an annoying player like CJ, have him jam him, and then just play your normal defense after that. If anything, it throws off the rhythm of the timing half a second, and sometimes that's all you need. No, I absolutely love that idea, and I have absolutely 100% confidence that is not going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if we don't jam him a single time. Yeah, I mean that's that's my biggest qualm, right? Is is are they going to respond to that? I mean, you're looking at a team that played some form of man-to-man coverage about 25% of the time and I mean historically just hasn't made the best adjustments. I mean, you saw it last week just, you know, Detroit's offense just was able to go up and down the field it seemed like uh the entire second half of the game because they were that that coaching staff made the better adjustments at half. Um, you know, it's, it'll be, it's, it's really a test. I mean, I, I really like that idea. I was wondering if, you know, they, do they stick Darius Slay on him at all the time or the entire game should, uh, I, I really, I don't think that they've practiced what the rest of the coverages will look like throughout the entire defense. If Slay changes sides, you know, I mean, he, in the entire last year, he only lined up in the slot 2% of, or actually, excuse me, it was two snaps the entire 21 season that he lined up at slot. When he goes out and one time, side, he was on offense. No, <laughs> <laughs> but like if if they decide to stick him on on Jefferson the entire game and Jefferson lines up in the slot, which he invariably will, how does it, does the rest of the team know where they're supposed to be? No, I, I, I well, we haven't seen it yet. I mean, let this Monday night be the first, but I have a whole lot of reservations about them effectively implementing any sort of defense other than what we've seen up until this point. How many times in training camp did you see all the beat writers talking about how a man really rough day for the offense defense definitely won this day defense is looking really strong. It was the the biggest report coming out and a lot of people were being like, oh, you know, like it doesn't mean the offense is bad. It just means that our defense is that good. Where the hell is that? I understand it's one game in week one. The NFL is the craziest week in the NFL regular season. You get teams like the Titans losing the teams like the Giants shit happens. I need that those reports to come to fruition immediately. We talked about on Monday, Jonathan Gannon has one week. He has one week to fix this. And I certainly hope he does. I have absolutely no confidence he will. But he's got this game and this game alone before I am already in the look. Well, I have absolutely no confidence for the season because our offense may put up points and we may win these shootout games against teams that just can't seem to score in the 30s like we may. But 
there's no chance we're holding teams to in the tens. It'll be twenties, thirties. And until something drastic happens, that's not going to change. Joey, we talked in just droves last year about the the biggest sign of intelligence in a coach is their ability to adapt and change what they originally thought was going to work. We saw that with Nick Sirianni in the offense and Shane Station with having three run rushing attempts against the Cowboys and then quickly turning it around to being the number one rushing team in the NFL. Did you see any kind of consistent adjustment from the defense last year or from the first week last week that says that he's going to change anything? No, I mean, I didn't see anything you know, just in that one game, I'll be honest, I really did not. Um, one of the things I did notice, and we talked about it, was the tackling. I guess we were ranked 32nd out of 32 teams as far as missed tackles on defense, which obviously last place is not good. So you have to throw that in there into account to see if maybe some of those calls would have looked a little bit better if we had made tackles. And then also one thing I, I noticed, and I went back and looked at the game, and I saw some statistics, some statistical breakdowns, I can't even speak, of the long runs we gave up. And a lot of them, I give credit to the Detroit Lions play calling because on the 52-yard run by DeAndre Swift, they did that on a second and 12. That's a pass down. They caught us in nickel. There was also a third and 11 where Swift ran for 16. We're in dime. That's a, pa- that's a pass defense. He ran for third and 16. There was also a third and nine where I think they ran for 12. There was a third and eight where they ran for 11. So there's a lot of these typical pass downs where we're in a pass defense that the Lions caught us off guard. Now, if our D-line was playing a little bit better, you may be talking about the Detroit Lions being the most conservative team of all time. Third and 16 and they ran. Third and nine and they ran. Third and eight they ran. They just punted three straight times in a row. They don't trust golf. What's going on? QB controversy. Number one pick in the draft. You know, Eagles win by 30. But it worked. So it leads me to believe that while I'm not a Gannon believer, while I think that there's a lot that he needs to improve on and change, I do think there were some variables in that game that could lead us to believe that, hey, it could have looked a little bit different if things happened a certain way. That makes sense. Sure. I mean, I mean, we talked about, you know, the, the crowd being a huge factor. We talked about how just how hyped up they were to play, um, you know, and all it takes is a handful of plays from here to there, you know, like uh, deciding to run the ball on third and long. Um, that's really the difference from week to week between having an incredibly good and incredibly bad outlook on this team. Right. So, I mean, especially on offense, there's a, a couple things on our the offensive side of the ball that could go very well this week um, with the factors now in the complete other hand at being at home at a Monday night game. You know, um, you could see things completely flip on a dime. Uh, Jake, how do you see the off our offense changing from last week to this week? I mean, the offensive line is going to play substantially better. I guarantee it. We we had a uh, uh, we talked about it in our breakdown episode. A lot of miscommunications. Joey was talking about how on a number of plays you had most of the offensive line run blocking, and then the one person that heard him correctly is pass blocking. And on that fourth and five that we started our first drive with, everybody on the offense minus Jalen Hurts is run blocking, and it hit the ball hits Devontae Smith in the back of the head while he is trying to block a cornerback out there. That's not going to happen in the link. You're going to have the sound is going to primarily be when the defense is on the field trying to get in the head of the opposing team's offense. Obviously, they're going to be very excited to see the team and all, but you're not going to have so much of that miscommunication, the silent counts, trying to just do with all the hand signals, everything. You're going to be able to relay messages quickly, easily. They're going to get in a rhythm offensively. I fully believe that the, the first quarter, which was the team's kryptonite last year, I wouldn't be surprised if it was our highest scoring quarter of the game this week. We're going to come out hot. We're going to come out firing, and the offensive line is going to play miles better. And we talked about how good the run looked uh, last week with Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts being able to react to that free rusher coming right up the gut pretty much every single time they blitzed on a passing down. Joey, you said they blitzed, what, 50% of the times last week on passing downs? Yeah. They very well may blitz more. Our blitz pickup will be better. Our run blocking will be better. Our pass blocking will be better. We're, you're going to see a better target share spread out to all of our weapons we have. You touched on it in our preseason episode that Devontae Smith is going to be a week-to-week, one week. Maybe he has you know, no catches, 
and the next week he may have six for 112 yards and a touchdown. That's going to be the kind of game that he's going to be throwing up this week. I have all the confidence in the world in our offense this week. I love it. <clears throat> I think you'll see. I mean, if I had to, to take a guess, I mean, as far as what we're going to see this week or this uh, Monday night as well, I would definitely see a lot more uh, play or called runs. I was a little surprised yeah. at how few called runs there were during the game. I mean, the, the statistics are a bit, uh, you know, warped because of just how often Hertz took off and ran. But um, they really didn't call Gainwell's number very often. Miles. Uh, now, and know, a lot of the ones they did were late in the game trying to run the clock out. Right. Right. You didn't see a whole lot in the meat of the game. It didn't seem like it was a, a huge part of the game script. And I, I think and four rushing see. touchdowns, and it really didn't seem right. like they were trying to run <laughs> right. the ball that much. Um, obviously, uh, a better or more evenly distributed share of the targets. I don't see nearly as many RPOs called. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think just, just to make sure Jalen has that time this week. And again, I do think. And doesn't die. I think the offensive line will play a hell of a lot better, but just to make sure at least the first half, I, I don't expect to see a whole lot of RPOs. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely expect to see a lot more Devontae Smith this game. Of course, AJ Brown, AJ Brown. eat as well. <laughs> Joe, so, not, I mean, Jake, to your point with, with seeing the team come out fast, that would be a, a breath of fresh air, man. I, I think we'd all love to see that happening. to where, you know, when you have a lead, you can lean on that run game a lot. You know, a lot of times you have your first 15 calls scripted on offense. But mm -hmm. if you fall down 7 nothing, 10 nothing, it's kind of like, uh, we may not be able to do these because we got some third down runs in here and some second down runs in here. And if it doesn't work, last thing you want to be in is third and long and you're down 10 nothing. So one thing I noticed when watching the Minnesota versus Green Bay game, I know everybody saw that as a dominant win. But let's remember, Green Bay was without their number one wide receiver. They were also their first game without Devontae Adams. They also were missing their starting right tackle and their starting left tackle. So, I mean, you talk, we talked about how bad Dak looked. And Dak was missing offensive linemen and wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers the same. He was missing two starting offensive linemen and his starting wide receiver. And he was still trying to, to go out there and make plays. Minnesota plays a, a base cover four. Pretty much they keep their safeties back the whole time. They just don't want to get, get beat. You guys probably know what that sounds like. Little Jim Schwartz, Jonathan Gannon, no big plays. Yeah. But there were plays, uh, to steal a phrase, left meat on the bone that the Packers did that entire game. First play of the game, Christian Watson drops an 80-yard touchdown right in his hands. Like, perfect. That could change the whole complexity of the game. But I think that Minnesota is going to have to drastically change their approach to playing us, kind of like Sean said versus the Packers. I mean, you got Jalen Hurts, who's mobile, who could take it off anytime. If you want to blitz, mm -hmm. you kind of saw what Jalen Hurts did. And Minnesota's secondary is not good. So if you blitz, you're leaving your DBs that are not good on an island with Devontae and A.J. Smith or A.J. Brown. And if you don't and you play that soft zone, you're allowing all these lanes for Hurts to run into. You're allowing screen passes to happen and develop. So I think the advantage goes to both of these offenses in this game. And I think it's going to be a chess match with both defensive coordinators. And unfortunately, I don't like how ours might. You don't fall. like ours. <laughs> <laughs> You're not alone there. You're not alone there. No, you, you brought up a lot of really good points. And look, I, I love that we're all confident, confident in the offense. It's, it's a good feeling. Yeah. It's a great feeling. Uh, and like you touched on, those first 15 scripted plays will and can change drastically based on the outcome of those 15 plays, also the outcome of the opposing team's 15 plays. So I'd love for them to come out hot. I certainly think they will. I think they're going to get an early lead. Look, last time the Vikings came into town, what happened? We ran them the hell out of there. We did. We did. And and went right into their home and won a Super Bowl on their turf. Obviously, a whole new regime in, in Minnesota there with, with GM down. And so... It may not be as big of a deal to them personally, but it's a big deal here in Philadelphia, and you're going to be hearing a lot of shit talking fans. And it's look, it's a great feeling to know that we whooped up, we whooped up on them last time they came on our turf, and hopefully we can do it again.
Yeah, I mean, all the players that have been here since that 17 season, I mean, <clears throat> just as the fans know, we, we don't care for the Vikings. No. I mean, this has got to be There's a the, reason they're on my my top five most hated right. fran- as, current franchise. As far as franchises outside of the division that we just do not like, I mean, Minnesota has to be just about at the top of that list. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, much to Joey's point, I think they're going to play. I think you're going to see a, a Minnesota defense that that plays very conservative. Right. That ends up, you know, playing a lot of zone, not a whole lot of blitzing this game or much less than what you saw in Green Bay. You know, I've got them trying to make sure Jalen stays in the pocket, maybe even spy a a linebacker on him. And that's going to open up all those mid range routes. I mean, we may very well see a big Goddard game. I mean, I, I know I've talked about. You know, got it kind of being lost in the sauce throughout the entire season. But you said he's poised for a letdown year. Yes. To, to I, quote you. And I still think, you know, season wide, I, I I don't see him meeting expectations. But if he is going to meet and possibly exceed expectations in one particular game on the schedule, I mean, this is it. This is probably if I had to you know take my guess, I think this is gonna be a barn burner of a Monday night game, guys. I think this is gonna be a high scoring affair with the defenses doing very little to help. <laughs> I I can agree with that. I, I don't see this being, you know, a defensive masterpiece game at all. Um, I will say Minnesota has a very underrated front four. Um Dalvin Tomlinson in the middle is an absolute beast. Uh, Daniil Hunter um, on the edge is an athletic freak. So they got guys that can come after you, that can rush the passer. Um, That's something to be mindful of, watchful of. But, again, at home, home opener, Monday night. Kirk Cousins historically on national television, Mm -hmm. big spotlights is bad. I don't know how much of an analytical, like, factoid that – really is or if that's a thing or if it's just we'll take it but i mean i'll take it some people in the bright lights just don't play as well and i'm hoping it's one of them because historically kirk cousins does well against us even back to his washington days and coincidentally his offense coordinator in washington was kevin o'connell when he had all that success against us so this offense is set up to do well against this defense so it's going to be up to jonathan gannon and the defense to win this game in my opinion and one of the few bright lights on this defense, or at least from matchup wise is look, we talked a lot of crap about the lines and they did have some injuries to their O line, but nationally they have a lot of people saying they're a top five O line. I mean, you got uh Tucker. What's his name? Uh, Ross Tucker coming on WIP saying, and he does every year. He does a, a full 32 offensive line rankings. I think he said he had them ranked fourth. Like they have a solid unit and we should have a very solid front four front five, depending on what kind of uh, formation we're running there on our defense, but you're going week one against a, a very stout offensive line. And, and we obviously talked plenty about how they weren't able to get home, but in Ross Tucker's rankings as well, he had the Vikings as like 24th offensive line. Like they, they do not have a great offensive line, at least according to people that really look into that kind of stuff. So you might see, even if they don't blitz very much, with I, which I don't really think so, and I know we just talked about how we're uh, expecting a very conservative approach from both defenses, but hopefully we still can get a little more pressure with the main people that we send, even if we don't send an extra rush or anything. Because broken record here, week one is, is can be a fluke week, and we talked so much in the offseason that I, you know, I at least personally expect Hassan Reddick to be one of, if not the biggest additions, if not the biggest player on the entire team uh, this year. And he was pretty much, he made one notable play last week. We talked a little bit about how he wasn't utilized perfectly. Uh, nobody really on the defense was. Uh, but I could certainly expect to see him come out gangbusters first game as an Eagle in Philadelphia and just just rides the momentum of the crowd and has a monster week. And, you know, veterans like Javon Hargraves and Fletcher Cox, they love playing at home too. Everybody on that team loves playing in front of the link crowd. You know, yeah. you know what, Jake and Sean, uh, sorry to cut you off there, Sean. I almost almost want to divert the attention away from Gannon for a second and say, to, to your fair. point, Jake, I don't, I don't give a damn how good this Minnesota offensive line is supposed to be. The amount of talent we have on this defensive line the amount of high draft picks, the amount of salary cap percentage space that we have spent on this damn defensive line. I don't give a damn how good PFF or some 
person says Minnesota's offensive line is. When are we going to see this defensive line earn their money and earn their draft pick status? How many first rounders we got? How many millions of dollars are paid on that defensive line? Show me you're worth it. I'm tired of sitting there and thinking of, oh, well, maybe if we blitz, maybe if we do this, maybe this. Why don't we just eat up front like we're supposed to when we drafted and paid all these guys? So do it. That's what I'm a little bit frustrated about is I don't give a damn what that offensive line does. You practice against the best offensive line in practice every single day. You should be able to smack around this Minnesota offensive line. Show me. Damn right. And that's that's exactly what I want to see this weekend too, man. I want to see a whole lot of Jordan Davis plugging up the middle of that damn offensive line. I want to see, you know, our big uglies go up against theirs. I I would like to see some linebacker blitz in here and then, especially with Jordan Davis in the lineup. Uh, But I mean, let's win some one-on-one matchups, right? Let's not let it get to the secondary, right? Uh, you know, we, we have to see the interior play a hell of a lot better. We're playing, paying this offensive line, something like $200 million spread throughout the entire D line. Let's, let's get our money's worth beat up on these guys. Let's totally eliminate the run. You know, um, (laughs) we're going to have to see a whole hell of a lot more though, out of this team than we did in week one. Oh, 100%. And and I'm with you guys. We need them to. And you just touched on Jordan Davis. He needs to play more than 22 damn snaps. Yeah, that's I, don't him, count. But... And I heard people being like, oh, 30 snaps. Special team snaps don't count for Jordan Davis. He is a nose tackle. He is a defensive tackle. I don't care where he played on a field goal blocking unit. Right. No, no I, I care about the snaps that he is plugging up holes. And we touched on the stats last week, and everybody has them. 2.9 yards per rush when he is was on the field, 10 yards per rush when he was out the field. Also, I believe it was over, I think, only one snap that he was on the field. They were not in a five-man front. So he was. they were 90-something percent. 97% in a five-man front with Jordan Davis being essentially the nose tackle there. You need him on the field regardless. They were basically using him when it was a true rundown. And, and Joey touched on, they seemed to to run it on passing downs. And they feasted on us because we didn't have Jordan Davis out there. I don't care if you have a four-man front, a three-man front, a five-man front. Okay, I don't care what the front is. Jordan Davis needs to play out there as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a, a team in the Vikings that uh, they pass a lot more than you'd expect them to, mm-hmm. right? I mean, especially in the red zone. I mean, you've got especially uh, with this new coach, especially with the yeah, especially with this new coach. I mean, they're they're pass as pass heavy uh, as you can imagine. I mean, it, just in the red zone alone, they passed on seventy two percent of of red zone plays. Like, you can't just take this guy out of here three quarters of the time yeah. because you don't think it was it's going to be uh, a, a a running play, like. He has to. Make you drafted space. a guy in the first round to stop the run. It, no, exclusively. No. He you, you drafted him to take up two people on that offensive line, open up a gap for a linebacker to blitz through, and get to the damn quarterback. That's exactly what he's here for, and have have him do that. Yeah. Why give up so much draft capital? Why take the guy in the first round for him to only play on what you perceive to be rundowns? You need him on the field and. People have have speculated, oh, is it possibly because of conditioning or anything? I haven't heard a single report that he is having to sit out reps in practice or anything like that. Look, a big guy like that, sure, you're not going to have the same kind of conditioning as a TJ Edwards, a Kaiser White, like a thinner, more athletic guy. Whatever. Let's see it happen. But Let him guess. Yeah. Let's see how many plays he's got in him. Exactly. Get a benchmark. Figure out what he can give you and go from there. Absolutely ridiculous. Speaking of Jordan Davis, guys, I, I love that we're on the, the the topic of Jordan Davis here and playing the nose. I was listening to a podcast today with Fran Duffy, and he had a couple Minnesota beat reporters on to discuss the Minnesota Green Bay game. And he said one thing that Green Bay did really well was they shut down Minnesota's run. Dalvin Cook really couldn't get going a lot of times. And he said when they were most successful against Minnesota and Dalvin Cook is when they put Kenny Clark at the zero technique. And what the zero technique is is when you line head up over the center – you're not shaded to the right of him or mm-hmm. to the left of him. You're directly over the center. And what that means is that center can't get going left or right to wall you off. Minnesota runs a lot of zone blocking scheme where you'll see all the linemen go for a stretch run to the left and they all start moving to the left. They're not necessarily trying to block a guy. They're trying to get to a spot, a zone. And whatever guy comes in that, they block. That's what a zone blocking scheme is. So when you occupy over the center, 
you can then manipulate and move him, especially if you're a larger human than him, which Kenny yeah. Clark was. We happen to have a large human in Jordan Davis. <laughs> you line him up at you line him up at the zero, and now you take away that zone run stretch. What's so important about taking away that zone run stretch other than shutting down the run and down cook? Kirk Cousins loves play action boot, play action boot, play action boot. If you shut down that run, you no longer have to have your linebackers bite on the on the run so that they could sit back. So that boot. All you have to do is contain with the opposite defensive end and the drag coming with Jefferson, the leak coming with uh, Adam Thielen, your linebackers are already in a perfect position. You don't have to overcommit. That's the whole point of play action is to suck up the defense to get behind. So if you utilize Jordan Davis in the right way, the way you guys were talking about, put him at the zero technique, not every play, but put him at the zero a lot of times, and you take away that zone blocking stretch run play, it opens up everything for this defense and makes life a lot easier for them. Look, it's that easy. So let's see if it happens. No, it's just it's just Green Bay was successful with it, and the no, Minnesota exactly. reporters noticed it, and they were like, "Man, they keep doing this." Obviously, they didn't know how to guard Justin Jefferson. That's another story. But if you take away one dynamic and make them one dimensional, I, I really think that's that's how you win as a defense. Make the other team one dimensional. Yeah, I mean, press Justin Jefferson at the line with the Patrick Beverly of the NFL and and Garner Johnson put Jordan Davis in the zero technique. I mean, these are all great things that Jonathan Gannon hopefully can do. He's watching, he's watching a hell of a lot more tape on the Vikings than we are. And he's hopefully listening to, to every expert he has in the room, which apparently is Howie Roseman. If anybody heard, uh, it needs to be the talking two on five podcast, but <laughs> damn straight. Yeah. Does. Any, any credence to, uh, Jonathan Gannon, maybe being swayed, or I really the entire coaching staff, Sirion as well, by uh, how he's sitting in on some of these meetings, guys. Uh, a friend of the show, Mike K, he tweeted out uh, earlier today, which makes the most sense of every report I've heard. He was like, "Not very surprising when Howie like reports are Howie has the final say, or not the final say, but needs to know who they want to have in the game plan so that he can figure out the best way to maneuver to bring guys up to you know." who's going to be a healthy scratch and everything. And it was more of a personnel like him, them game planning with Howie. Right. Howie's role is more of a personnel role than actually yeah. game plan. It better be right. Like it, uh, that better be it. And only it. Yeah. Right. Howie has absolutely no right to have any say whatsoever in what kind of schemes, games, game plan, plays anything that we're doing against any team. I don't care if it's the Zacherts charity softball game. You're not setting the lineup, Howie, <laughs> at all. I'm not like he should not be in that in that role whatsoever. You better hope, man, because as soon as Gannon said it, I could tell Howie was on the phone like, hey man, you, you want to be why? careful you what you're know telling us. You want to know why people. I know that he has no call, like no say in play calling or whatsoever? Why is that? Because of the limited snaps that Jordan Davis played, you think Howie would want him to play his first round pick that he traded up for 22 snaps? Yeah, I mean, uh, when we got Rager here playing wide receiver two for years, when we're forcing JJ Arthago Whiteside into roles that he damn well doesn't fit in. I tell you what, that was probably a, a Howie call just with him also getting rid of some of those draft picks that did not pan out. I mean, he probably said to himself, like, hey man, maybe this is a good time for me to step away from from you know the, the personnel decisions of this ball team. Because there have been in years past, you have seen, you know, the the reggers of the world that were drafted just a little too high, just being force fed. Just even if it just comes with snaps, you know, and uh, I, I would really be surprised if if this year he was doing anything other than trying to figure out if Grant Calcaterra should be the third tight end versus oh whoever we ended up running out this week. Somebody could help me out with that. <laughs> <laughs> Noah Togi. Yeah, I was like, it's a Togi. Togi. Yeah, Togiati. Tog. Nope. Okay. Togi. I'll get. I'll get better with that, fellas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's a uh, much ado about nothing. What do you say, Joey? Yeah, I think so too. Uh, and to Jake's point, Mike K kind of cleared up what that meant when Gannon talked about that. Uh, basically, yeah, if you're saying, hey, you know, this week the game plan is to go, we want to throw the ball 70% of the time, then maybe that's that instance where you call up Covey. You know what I'm saying? And Or if there's an instance where, you know, like, hey, we want to ground and pound. We want to go wildcat. We want to run a bunch. Okay, maybe we call up Trey Sermon that's running back four. 
you know, uh, and do that. And apparently we wanted to go a lot of 12 personnel and blocking was key. So we called him Togiai over Calcaterra. So I think that's what it means when he's in those meetings. He hears the game plan and says, okay, based on that game plan, what do you need? What type of personnel do you think you're going to be running the most? In that case, let's call up this guy. Let's bump this guy. Let's make this guy inactive. So I think – to Mike K's point, I think he illustrated it beautifully. That's what that yeah. meant. But at first, when I heard it too, I was like, "Oh well, yeah, well, this is a little bit too Big that. Brother here." Like, hold up, yeah. wait a minute, something ain't right. No, a hundred percent. My head immediately, my ears perked up, and I was like, mm, "Little slip there." You gotta be kidding me. Yeah, a little slip. Yeah. Like waiting, Mister Lurie. I need to wait until I send my uh, my play calls to Mister Lurie for final approval. <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, you you guys touched on uh, Joe. You started touching on it with Dalvin Cook getting shut down with a lot of the zero gap technique or the zero technique from their nose tackle and everything. Where would you rank just between these two running backs, DeAndre Swift and Dalvin Cook? Who's one? Who's two? Um, I got to go Dalvin. Both are healthy, and you know a vacuum. I got to go Dalvin one, uh, Swift two, just because I've seen Dalvin be more consistent. I think. Mm-hmm. Dalvin can run more in between the tackles and be your more traditional running back. He also has some breakaway speed, whereas Swift is just that guy where if you give him a crease, he can go kind of like a Jamal Charles type. Um, so I, I'd go one Dalvin to Swift, but that's no indictment on Swift at all. Sean? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Dalvin has just had his uh, injury concerns over the last couple seasons that uh, really, I mean, you know, when he's healthy, he's a top seven, eight, nine back in the league. I think he's just a bit more of a complete back than Swift. I mean, you know, he can, he can also break tackles. You know, he can run with a defender on his back just as well as he can be elusive, just as elusive as Swift. You know, uh, I mean, he's in Swift is an incredibly skilled back, but um, I think Dalvin Cook is just too explosive, too complete of a back. Um, We need to, you know, not lose sight of just how much he can change a game as well. And, and I echo everything you all said, and that scares me. Seeing what DeAndre Swift just did to our defense, and n- not a knock on him, very good back, yeah, yeah, know, yeah. up and coming. We were early big in on career. him coming into the game. The yeah, Detroit he, game. he was yeah. that was their biggest matchup that yeah. that concerned us. And but we said, you know, running back can't win a game for the Lions. He came damn close, damn close. Uh, and we have a team that is full of weapons on offense that can win a game for the Vikings. Uh, whether Thielen, who's still very shorthanded, still a very, uh, very good wide receiver in the NFL, very, very good wide receiver too. I mean, NFL. two years ago, this guy was a game changer. Oh yeah, and now at, at wide receiver two, like yeah. that's great. Right, that's great for them. And then Justin Jefferson, arguably the best current wide receiver in the NFL. Dalvin Cook, like we said, when healthy, I would argue possibly even like top five, top six, like in that five six role. But sure. either way, a very, very good back that scares the hell out of me. I mean, guys, the reverse could also be said the same, too, as far as scaring the hell out of you. Minnesota gave up 6.2 yards a carry to the Packers. Um, uh, Aaron Jones averaged 10 yards a carry, and A.J. Dillon averaged 4.5 yards a carry. Like, they were just in a situation, unlike Detroit, who that's that's not, like, you know, rule of thumb. They were in a situation where they were down early. They were down often, so they just kept throwing, 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 throwing. But when they were running – they were gashing them. Like I said, that 6.2 yards of carry for the entire game, Aaron Jones averaging 10 yards of carry. Um, I think you got to look at that and think if we can get that run game going and we could suck their linebackers up, kind of like just yeah. we talked about with Kirk Cousins and everything like that, and that shoddy secondary that they have that likes to play off. Also, next-gen stats show that the Minnesota Vikings corners, believe it or not, more than us, played the largest cushion in week one out of any team. <laughs> The largest cushion. This yeah, is what eighty-five-year-old Watson out there has wide receiver yeah. too. Think about it. So, if you are having a hard time stopping our run, and you're having a big cushion, and you got guys like Devontae and AJ, like this could open up so much for this offense. So, I think the the flip side could be said too. If we get that ground game going, watch out. Yeah, and to Sean's point, we're at least we're in agreement. I don't know where you fall on this, Joey. I also agree that they're going to be calling a lot more designed runs. Like for the for the best, yeah, and and I think that some of those numbers from last week are uh, as far as the Vikings run defense is a little bit bloated, just because 
Green Bay was in were in passing downs pretty much the entire second half. So whenever they did run, I mean, it, I I think that the Viking defense was more structured towards you know stopping the passing plays. But in that same breath, I mean, I think if when the Eagles offensive line becomes damn near the best offensive line in football. I think this team, I think Miles Sanders in particular can run up and down the field. And that is going to open up a ton of stuff for the play action pass for some of these intermediate routes. And uh, you know, it's, it's between Goddard and Devonte Smith. One of these guys I think is just going to have a really big day, just eating up some of those yards in the middle of the field. We're going to prove to you that we're the best. I certainly hope so. I would love that. I, I mean, I think this is going to uh, each each team's defense is just going to have a hard time stopping the other team's offense. Yeah. You know, I think it's going to be whatever team ends up with the ball last. I think there's, you know, or if there's a splash play right in the middle of it, be it a fumble, an interception. You know, last week it was a pick six that ultimately decided the Eagles Lions game. Yeah. You know, so I think this is going to be just another similar instance with a very similar and final score. So let me ask let me ask you guys something we talked about on last podcast was worrying a little bit about spreading the ball around thinking AJ got too much of a love you know not enough for Devonte things like that and we know batted balls at the line that were intended a play called back he dropped the ball miscommunication on the run blocking yada yada he couldn't have four or five catches whatever but who was the one player at the beginning of the show we talked about worrying the most about with Minnesota Justin Jefferson Justin Jefferson right do you want to know what his gap was between him and the next receiver but he, had, he had 18 targets right he had nine catches 184 yards and adam thielen who's pretty good the next closest guy had three for 30 so that's a 150 yard difference between the two guys right there and we're not talking about oh well will adam thielen start getting upset will kj osborne get upset so i think the moral of the story here is if you have a dog feed him we're worried. Minnesota's probably thinking the same thing. Like, dang, we got to worry about A.J. Brown, A.J. Brown, A.J. Brown. We're sitting here talking about Justin Jefferson. We're not sitting here talking about, oh, I wonder if Adam Thielen's going to be upset or K.J. Osborne. No, we're like, damn, we need to stop him because they may throw to him 25 times a game. So I think when you have certain caliber of players, it's kind of like, look, you're a dog. I'm going to get it to you however I can get it to you. I know we talk about that on defense. Like, let Hassan Reddick rush the passer. Let Jordan Davis stop the run. We talk about that, but offensively me personally as a fan i don't give a damn if the first 10 balls go to aj because i know probably what the outcome will be but that was just one thing i was thinking about when comparing the two because they had similar splits on their end i gotta tell you i've just gone with the assumption almost without saying it or it's been unspoken that that aj brown's going to get 10 targets like that's I've been operating oh, he's a double digit target guy that every he's week getting 10 every single week. And then we just kind of figure out who else, you know, this week it's a couple more. Um, I'll tell you why I don't, I'm not talking about Adam Thielen being upset about not getting targets. Cause I don't give a fuck. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't care about who gets any of those targets on that team. I, I just worry about the long-term success of this Eagles offense, you know, and uh, the, just the matchups they're going up against. I mean, Devontae Smith has every ounce of, of talent and ability to take over a game. And, you know, just given the right game plan, we can make it happen. That's that's all. I mean, I think A.J. Brown is going to be, I mean, that's a, a plug-and-play starter on your fantasy team every week. I think he's going to get 10 targets, you know, seven catches for 95 yards any given Sunday. It's just who else is going to get the rest of Jalen's 250 passing yards? Yeah, and this is a matchup-based league, guys. This is a matchup-based league. If I constantly look, and we've seen defense coordinators, offense coordinators all across the league just stay true to whatever they want to do without adjusting. We give them a lot of credit for being smart, but sometimes they don't adjust. If we see Patrick Peterson playing 10 yards off A.J. Brown and they have about a 10-year 10 10 age difference as well, I mean, I, I don't care if they replace like A.J., boom, right off the line. A.J., five-yard hitch. A.J., 10-yard comeback. A.J., go. Like, if you're going to continue to stay in this defense, we used to call that ducks on a pond when I played. We spotted the duck. We're going at him. I don't care what our game plan was coming in today. We see a duck coach. We're going at him every play until they adjust, take him out of the game. They roll coverage. They switch somebody, whatever. But it's one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it things. So, again, if, if, if you see mismatches, go at them, regardless of what your game plan was going into the game. 
Absolutely. I mean, I'd love to see, uh, you know, Steichen come up with, uh, you know, different ways of getting AJ Brown open. You know, we'd love to see him, you know, does he go in motion a couple more times? I mean, that seemed like something that was kind of lacking in the offense last week. Not that it's a requirement, but you'd like to see them kind of, you know, evolve as the season goes on. I'd be excited to see different ways. I mean, because, you know, as you aforementioned, the Viking secondary isn't that great. I mean, we've got, yeah, how old is Patrick Peterson? 37 at this point. He's ancient in quarterback years. So, I mean, if we see a weakness, go for it. I mean, A.J. Brown can have 200 yards receiving for all I care this week (laughs) if we put up 40, because I think we're going to have to put up 40 to get a dub this week, guys. Hey, I like it. I like it. All right, so we got a couple over-unders to ask everybody before we go into our predictions. So I will lead it off. Over under one and a half sacks, Joey. I'm gonna go under. Under. Yeah, uh, I just, I, I don't. I mean, they're gonna have to show me. I'd love to be wrong. I don't think they're gonna get more than one and a half. Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. That's. I mean, I think that that bar is just set a little too low. I think we luck our way into two sacks. I don't think that's sad that we're having this discussion on one and a half. Yeah, that you're thinking about it, Sean. I I took the under, and you're thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, Derek Barnett went down with an ACL, huge hit. No, I'm kidding. I just, <laughs> I just, I mean, you know, I think we're going to be playing very conservative. I don't think we're going to be blitzing a ton as much as I've talked about. We, you know, we probably should be this game. Um, it, it probably gets done as there are two sacks. I, I think we we finished with two on the day. Well, I'm going to go under, and all I have to say for that is you're welcome because that means they are not going under. So I say under, we're getting four or five. Uh, So next one, over, under, half a turnover. For who? For the Eagles. Like we 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 generate a turnover. Generate under. I got, I mean, I think this is probably going to be a clean sweep. I I don't see any real splash plays coming from our defense, especially, especially like forcing an interception. Um, you know, I, I really strip just, sacks. Maybe. I mean, that's, there's we so, ain't ripping the ball. We're out. not, we're not punching the ball out. You know, we're, we, we haven't been jumping any routes. Um, it, I think we're going to be playing 12 yards off the ball. Most of the game. I don't see it happening. Of course, there's Trip always a the chance. Line. There's always a chance for like a, a spotty, you know, fumble. You, you, you lead in for a tackle with the helmet and the ball pops out, but I'm going to go under. It's the only way we tackle. That's the only way we, we can get a turn wrap up anything. Joey? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over, and I'll even there give you a go. prediction. I like a Jalen Rager muffed punt. Hey, oh boy, that would be the most satisfying way to be over. I would love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm thinking. I'm thinking we might get lucky with like a tipped interception. You know, where Kirk throws it off his guy's helmet or it hits at the line of scrimmage. But I'm not predicting any like clean pick six. Darius Slade jumps around or, or anything like that. Uh, I think it, I, I'm going to go ahead and call my shot. I'm thinking a, a, a Jalen Rager muff punt. A Jalen Rager muff might be one of the few times where you truly you hear not cheering, not booing. You hear laughter through <laughs> through the broadcast. You hear a stadium of just laughter. Just the entire just South Philly just, just laughing. <laughs> That's tough to come back from too. If he if that happens, oh like, my god, do he's that? done. He's done yeah. for the game. Especially after talking about this being a revenge, a revenge game, game he's against going the to terrible to, Eagles. He will be checking into a nut hut that <laughs> night. Oh, he'll man. He'll be in a straight jacket. I just want to follow him on social media. He's at, going at that dark. Point. He's going dark. If he does anything. Look, and I'm awful. not I'm not for anybody harassing or bullying no. athletes or anything. But, you know, somebody will. And look, if somebody does and he responds to it, I'm going to read it. I don't want to see his inbox. No. No, I, no. I, I would have, uh, I'd feel pretty bad. For yeah. I'd love the result of the month. I would, I would laugh. I wouldn't laugh to his face, but no, I would laugh I'd wholeheartedly. Laugh. Yeah. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over and I, I'm calling a strip sack. Who's getting it? I said under on the sack. So there'll only be one sack, but it's going to be a strip sack. <laughs> uh, strip sack to my boy, Hassan Reddick. You're, ho- you're really hoping out or holding yeah. out for Hassan Reddick yeah. to make some, some big plays. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Last over under for me. Uh, we talked about him a lot. Dallas Goddard over under 
68 yards. (laughs) Hey, man, we already got that. For those that missed it, $100 bet to charity on Dallas Goddard uh, total receiving yards being over or under 800 yards. I took the over. Sean took the uh, well under, but it yes. doesn't matter. It just has to be under. I don't think it's going to be well under. I, I I don't think he gets to 800 on the season, but $100 goes to the charity of the winner's choice. Yes. So 68 yards over under Dallas Goddard receiving. I, I'm going under. I mean, that's about the, the season average. Dallas Goddard is really poised for a great break. The, the there's James there's like circled a 50, on, the, 50 on the shot, game, man. on there's the a, list that Dallas Goddard's going to just go off this I game think, first. 52 yards. If I had to guess, it would be Devontae Smith that, that gets the, oh, the lion share of the empty targets. Not empty targets, but the, the, the non-AJ Brown targets, if you will. <laughs> for those guys, that, you know, the other guys that we the, pay a lot of money for. The other completions that, that, that Jalen Hurts has. Um, oh, you know, boy. that's really just that's just for the sake of the bet. I have to say under. I'm consistent. I'm continued to... I, Anytime you give a yeah, why donate with, to my charity, God. right? No, your charity's worse <laughs> than mine, Joey. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go under as well. That doesn't necessarily mean Goddard won't have a good game. I could see him potentially scoring, but still being under sixty-eight. So I, I, I'll say under as well. Oh, well, I'm gonna go over. You can shove it in my face. I might. Good. I might. Seventy-five yard touchdown run, first yeah, play of the game. Run. No, well, catch then, and run. well, then I'm wrong. Catch it's a run. run. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, wouldn't you love that? He yeah. gets a screen pass, yeah. a backwards pass for 75 yards. Doesn't count. It's an end around. Yeah, yeah. doesn't count. Oh, geez, uh, Sean, you got any good over unders for us? Over under 13 and a half rushes for Jalen Hurts needs to be under. That's not what the question is. It's under. Under. It's under. 13, it's 13. and a half. It's 13. <laughs> no, it's it's under. Uh, probably double digits, but it's under. Okay, so somewhere between ten and twelve. Well, ten and thirteen. 13, it's thirteen and a half. Thirteen. Yes, Joe. I'll go under. I'll go under as well because if we want them to win this game, <laughs> it's going to have to be under. Yeah, that's about the line that I saw it being. You know, probably the most contested. However, I, I think it's going to be under as well. I just think the Vikings are going to play a, a defense that that prohibits him from running as best they can. He's probably going to finish in the eleven, twelve range, if I had to guess, but uh, just under that thirteen and a half. There you go. Got another one. That's all I have prepared. All right, Joey. Over under catches for Justin over. Jefferson eight and a half. I'm going way over. Double. I'm it. going way over. Uh, you know, he might not have the the same average. I mean, what was the average in? You know, just over ten. Ninety yards, yards a catch. Yes. Uh, he might have his his season average is going to dip after this game, but I really don't see uh, him. Uh, our defense putting something together to stop those mismatches from occurring, um, and him getting fed. I've got him going for thirteen or fourteen catches on the day. Yeah, I'm going over all day on that. Uh, it's, he's going to be the main offense for the Vikings. He always is the main offense, but even more so this game. Uh, when we get into our score predictions, I will tell you how many of those come as a result of Justin Jefferson. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, myself as well. I have him going over, but kind of like you said, Sean, over, but the yards per catch will not be nearly as much as it was. As long as we tackle. As long That's, as we tackle. I think, that'll have, yeah. I think that'll improve. We're going to have yeah. so many opportunities that hold him to a seven yard catch in over the middle. And we need f- good form tackling because he is not a guy that, that you're going to want to miss that first tackle on. Cause you're not going to get it on the second one. You're going to wait until there's a scrum of people that get to him and force him out of bounds where he just, yeah. just runs and hits the gritty on the sideline. Yeah. I mean, I thought last year, this team got a lot better at tackling as the season went on. And I would expect that this one year week. as well. It's yeah. It's been one week uh, where you're going to be the absolute rustiest at tackling. I don't expect us to stay at number thirty-two in the league. You miss a tackle, you run a mile. I love it. Do it. I don't expect it to happen nearly as often. So, Joey, got any other ones? That's all I got. I had the Justin Jefferson one. I was just curious to what you guys thought about that one, but uh, no. But yeah, I kind of I agree with you. It's a good one. All righty, score predictions. Win, loss, anything fun you want to add in there? Joseph, coach, what you got? 
Yeah, this one's going to be a close game. And and just going forward, I don't think I've ever predicted the Eagles to lose any game ever. I, I don't care if it's against the 85 Bears and, you know, it's, you know, the the, the two and 14 Eagles. I'm going to 2019 birds. Yeah, I got I got the Eagles getting some unexpected heroism, I guess you could say, this game. Whether that be in the form of something like a long Kenny Gainwell touchdown, whether that be in the form of, you know, a, a random guy, like maybe like a Kayvon Wallace getting a, a forced fumble and a fumble recovery, um, something like that. I have somebody who you wouldn't think under the radar making a huge play and a difference in this game and having like a seven-point swing. That being said, I think this comes down to whoever has the ball last. But I'm going to say the Vikings have the ball last, but we get the stop we need. I'm going to say 31-30, Eagles. Wow, what a Monday night game. All right. Oh, gritting your teeth to the very end. <laughs> yeah, somebody somebody that we, we did not mention one time, right, just making this big splash play, James Bradbury. Ain't going to be Deion Kane. That, the Paul Turner ain't award winner. be Deion Kane. But it might, but it won't. Yeah, I love when, when Joe was like, oh, we're going to pass a lot. Maybe we'll bring up Covey. And I was like, what about Kane? No, wait, he won the Paul Turner award. No, he's not going to get any any shot. <laughs> Sean, what you got for us? All right. So I've said it about six times during this podcast. It is going to be an offensive battle. Very little defense played throughout the game. 13 10. I don't even have that many splash plays. I just got straight up offensive touchdown after offensive touchdown. I do think it's going to come down to just about the, the last uh, who has the ball last. Um, I, however, I do believe the Eagles will have the ball last. Some late game heroics from uh, an AJ Brown or somebody we have mentioned about six or seven times oh, yeah. during First this game. Touchdown as a bird at the link. Yes. Monday night. Very few field goals, nothing but touchdowns almost. I got this game coming down to the wire 38 35 once more for the Eagles. Monday night at home. This oh, place yeah. is going to be rocking. The offense is just going to be kicking some ass. Something Defense you both will get to be getting its ass kicked as yes. well, though. Something you, something you both said uh, brings up one more over under. Over under punts, two and a half. <laughs> I'm going three. All right, go I'm on. going three over, but just a smidge. I'll go. Yeah, I'll go over as well, just because. I know you're optimistic, Jake, but I don't see us starting out fast ever in the history of Eagles football. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll go over. I'm going under. Under. Under one punt. What? <laughs> one punt per team or total? Total. Oh, shit. One punt what total. is this score? And that, no, one punt, be... that one punt is the one that Rager muffs. Yeah. No. <laughs> exactly exactly now it's gonna have to be over for for my score prediction but for the for the sake of over unders i'll keep it fun stick with the under uh offense gonna be really just running uh i do see tackling doing better and so i do see scoring on most drives but i think these drives are going to be long drives I think it's not going to be like, oh, they scored five minutes, boom, five minutes later, another score, boom, five minutes later, another score. I think you're going to see, like, what was that first drive that we scored a touchdown on uh, against the Lions? It's like eight and a half minutes. It was just a slow, methodical, great drive, but just slow, methodical. Seeing a lot of that this Monday, a lot of offense, but slowly crawling your way down the field. I've got it 34-27 birds. Jake you, make, Jake, you make a good point there with the the slow methodical drives. Both of these teams have a lot of cover four umbrella concepts yeah. that just want everything yep. to be in front of you. So that, exactly. that's a recipe for a sustaining drive. My thoughts exactly. We really didn't talk about that much. It really did seem like our, our game plan on offense was these slow, very yeah. sustained. One pass play over drives. 15 yards. One pass over yeah. 15 yards. And there's a completion. I mean, every, it was a third down every chance we got. I mean, you know, first and second and then. <laughs> Excellent breakdown, Sean. Yeah. For a second, that, is that how you get to third down? Yeah, you don't convert on first <laughs> and second down. We were not very aggressive on first and second. It felt like every single, every third play was a third down that Jalen Hurts was converting. Um, <laughs> That's how that yeah, works. It may, it may very well they, that that game plan may very well be heavy on just making sure the Vikings do not get the ball. Yeah, I mean, you hear uh, offensive just juggernaut, and you think with with my prediction being them only getting three touchdowns that oh they're they're going to be punting a lot 
No, like I, I foresee a missed field goal in there or something. Just I, few possessions. I, I, I foresee a, a fourth and short in the red zone that either team doesn't convert. Just few, yeah, exactly. Fewer yeah. possessions and very su- successful on those possessions. But I actually do have Jake Elliott kicking two through there. Vikings kicking one through the uprights. Uh, what would that be? Four touchdowns for the birds. Uh, yeah, ex- that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at. How, how nice go. would it be? If if we do have those four touchdowns and Hertz throws one to Goddard, AJ and Devontae, it Eagles beat writers would go insane trying to talk about how spreading the ball around is too much. <laughs> Hertz has been spreading it too much, and I really wish he would have, you know, relied on his legs more. Exactly. <laughs> and before somebody calls me out two two Vikings field goals, my math would be two Vikings mm-hmm. field goals. Before somebody's like, Well, two Vikings field goals. I was counting in my head. Yes. You're good. Both teams, yeah. Vikings. Either way, both, a Birds teams. W. Either way, yeah. Or we end up scoring four more rushing touchdowns this game, win the game by ten, and then the the community still collapses. Yes. Well, yeah, because the win doesn't count if you run. No, if he doesn't pass for three touchdowns and no. over three hundred yards, it doesn't count. It's got to be the new NFL uh, playoff tiebreaker. How many passing touchdowns? Do you have? <laughs> Josh Allen will be a lot happier about playoff overtime this year than last year with those rules. <laughs> Um, no, it's, uh, that's about it for, for the preview episode. Obviously anything breaking that comes out, we'll, we'll throw an emergency episode out there. Um, yeah. Any, uh, any final thoughts, Sean? Can't wait to see how good Jalen looks in a suit this Monday night. Really stepped it out last weekend on the all red. Can't wait to see him stroll out to prime time, baby. There we go. Sean going outfit, going wardrobe. I didn't bring up anybody's looks this episode. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be very handsome, regardless. Yes. Joseph, final thought. Don't start slow. Come out the gates hot, fast. Come out the gates fast and make them play to your game instead of the other way around. Just come out fast. They're they're going to. You didn't hear? I I did hear. They're going to. (laughs) We'll wait and see. Exactly. My final thought, don't you worry about it. It's a Monday game, so Chick-fil-A will be open.